Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Please take your seats quickly, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to The Passing Shot with Joel and Kim, sponsored by DownloadTennis.com. On today's Australian Open Round 3 catch-up. Marin Cilic dumps out Andrei Rublev. Asaka gets ousted by Anasimova. And Dan Evans crumbles to Felix Oja Aliassime. Lee, today is the 23rd of January and we are here to catch up on round three of the Australian Open at Passing Shot HQ. How are you doing, Lee? Because you are filling in for Kim. Kim is in a muddy field somewhere in southwest London doing a fun run. I hope she's doing well. She probably is doing a lot better than me. I probably would have been out of breath 10 seconds, 10 seconds in. But uh, yeah, it's good to it's good to have you back on. Me too. Yeah, no, it's it's really good to be here. And thanks for giving me the um the invitation i had you on speed dial as soon as you said <laughs> fun fun run i had you on speed dial <laughs> yeah um no all, all all the best to her um but um yeah rather i, I would i would not be doing that this morning um <laughs> but yeah no i've been okay um trying to follow as much as the australian of the australian open as i can um i don't know whether the, about you but i found it difficult fitting it in around work and sleep um it's it's not easy um but yeah yeah i'm i'm the same i'm i'm sort of trying to juggle as as i'm sure many of our listeners trying to juggle it with work at the moment i've got like a million screens in my bedroom <laughs> in my working from home situation uh, i've got like my main screen and then on the right side i've got my tablet with uh the tennis on so i always have like a my head just naturally i think just turns to the right so i can watch a little bit of the tennis whilst yeah i'm doing work but um yeah it's been it's been an interesting i think last last couple of days obviously we are into round four today and we're catching up on primarily day five and and day six and i mean let's talk about you know one of the biggest shocks i think on on day six which was andre rublev losing to marin chilich in four sets Chilich winning 7-5-7-6-3-6-6-3 against the fifth seed. I mean, that was that for me was a very impressive win for Chilich because when he went two sets up, I just had flashbacks to Wimbledon last year. I think he went two sets up against Daniel Medvedev, lost in five. And when he did lose that fourth set, I did wonder... Our alarm bells ringing then. Is he thinking back to that match at Wimbledon? Because, you know, he's a very experienced, seasoned pro. Great expertise also in Grand Slam. has gone very deep before. But yeah, very, very, very decent win from him. Yeah, I think he likes the Australian Open. Um, I remember him doing well um, a few years ago. I think it was uh, 2018 when he reached the, reached the final. Mm, yeah. Um, he beat Carl Edmund on the way, didn't he? Who was having, who was having a great run as well um, that year. Um, yeah, it, it, it's a tournament he likes. It, he's obviously making the most of it. Um, I think he does his. He probably does his preseason very well and in preparation for it as well. So, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I've been quite impressed by Marin Cilic. He, he, he is someone who has been around for a long time. You know, he's 33 years old now. I'm impressed he hasn't faded. Like I, I was sort of, I was sort of expecting him, you know, to sort of wind down, maybe get the odd you know title here and there like a you know a, two, a 250 or maybe a maybe even a 500 but yeah it's great to see him in you know back into um you know the fourth round into the second week of a grand slam because you know he's such a you know he's such a I think he's one of the like the nice guys and you know I think you look back on his career and you do think he is one of those players that if if the big three hadn't existed uh you know at the same time as him then perhaps i think we would be calling him you know a multi you know a multi grand slam champion um and i think 
yeah, a lot of people can, I think a lot of people respect that. And the fact that, you know, he's plugged away, he's still going and, you know, he's still, he still could do the business. Um, you know, Andrew Rublev has been playing some great tennis this week, but, you know, he, he bought a very high level and was able to kind of see it through to the end, which I think is what he will be most, most kind of impressed by given, as I said, that, that, that match he had against Medvedev, you know, at Wimbledon, you know, what I really liked was he was very aggressive um, on the return of serve against Rublev, which I just didn't think let Rublev settle. And yeah, that mental strength in that fourth set meant that, yeah, he, it was it was very good to see him kind of close it out because I think in other situations, he would have perhaps just let it unravel and he would have, again, seen seen himself losing in five sets. I mean, you can tell that he really enjoys still playing as well, Cilic. He mm. has... Um, he has tremendous support whenever he plays. He's one of those players where it doesn't matter. Um, like like you say, if if it if he weren't if it weren't for the big three, he'd probably be right up there, you know, at the top. And he gets support from uh, all around the world. A bit like uh, Del Potro gets support from all around the world as well. They put him in that bracket. Um, yeah, and and the support that he's had in Melbourne this week from locals has been as you know from the the Croatian. Um, you know, fans that are, that live in Melbourne have, has been really incredible for him. So I think he feeds off that a bit as well. Um, and I think he does kind of probably save his best for the Grand Slams as well, because that's probably what what he enjoys the most. So, um, yeah, it's really good to see Marin Chile. It's a shame for Andre Rublev to lose out in the third round, but I suppose someone's got to lose out, haven't they? Yeah. It's just the way the draw is. You know, I would have <laughs> liked to have seen Rublev go quite deep in this tournament, but... Um, and and to be fair, you know, had he probably not had Chilich in his quarter, he probably would have um very tough have done that. So yeah. yeah. It's experience, isn't it, when it comes to Chilich. He knows how to handle different types of players. So, you know, that's what paid off in the end. Exactly. And he faces Felix Auger Aliasim next, who we're gonna talk we're gonna talk about now because Felix Oje Aliasim beat Dan Evans really, really comfortably. He thrashed him really six four six one six one. Um, yeah, I mean, what did you make of this match? Because we, we, you know, going into it, you know, Dan Evans was in great form. You know, he had played really well in the the ATP Cup. Had showed really promising signs in his early rounds. He had a walkover, so you thought he's going to be refreshed. And at the same time, Oje Aliasim has you know had quite a few minutes on you know in court um over his kind of first two rounds he's played nine sets hadn't he already yeah whereas yeah. uh evans had only played three um and then had had four days off it's it on paper dan evans should have won that one or it should have at least been a lot more competitive than it was um really disappointing from dan evans um I mean, do you think having that time off and the fact that, you know, he was meant to play Rindanek in the, I think, in the second round and uh, Rindanek withdrew. So he had, I think, four, like he had four days off um, before this match. And do you think that had a negative impact on him? Do you think kind of actually that was too much time and maybe he was maybe like overthought the situation and he didn't prepare in a way that perhaps it would have been a lot easier to if he had just normally had a you know, a second round match to play. I suppose it depends what, what he's done with those um, four days in between. You mm. know, I presume he would have been out there. He's gone sight, um, sightseeing in Melbourne. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, he's been out out partying like <laughs> like, <laughs> like like the old days. No, I, I imagine not. I imagine that you, you would at least want to um, spend the time that you would have spent on court doing some really intense training during that time with a, with you know with a, a hitting partner or with another player, um, perhaps someone who you know that's lost in the first round or something like that. Um, that you, that's still on site that you can re, that's really going to test you because you know you're not going to get that just doing your normal practice. You're not going to get that experience of a match. And and I imagine that if if uh, Rindanesh hadn't uh, injured his wrist um, that would have been quite a competitive match between the two because Rindisnes is really a fighter of a player at the moment um, you know he he had an amazing week in Adelaide the week before um, reached the final there did he win that or did he reach the, or was he the finalist cannot remember um, he, he, he lost to Kokinakis didn't he it almost would have been like the perfect setup if you know he'd 
he had come through against a you know a what a very uh you know a competitor in form would have set him up i think very nicely against ogialisim because he probably would have been tested you know in that second round if if Rindanet had been fit but yeah given that that match didn't happen yeah i do i do wonder if it, he didn't really know what to do with the the time and maybe he needs to kind of reevaluate that in the future of of what happens if you know i do find myself um you know having someone withdraw but i've got to you know come back and play one of a player who is being touted to you know win grand slams in the future because that is quite a diff you know that is quite a difficult challenge i think you know going from no tennis and then going on to kind of yeah face someone who has been very very good i think very very solid um at grand slams recently um is is sort of making you know making more impact more inroads i think into the into the draw we're seeing his name more in the you know fourth round quarterfinals sort of territory but yeah it was i think it was a bit disappointing and yeah those certainly those those second and third sets just it just fell away very very quickly it got very very ugly as well i don't know whether there was um perhaps um the distraction at the start of the match with the music that was going on uh, you know somewhere to the side of the court uh, that seemed to affect dan more than it did felix um at the start of the match and it did stop but i think mm-hmm. with yeah. with dan evans once something has got into his head it's very difficult to get out of his head um i think felix handled that situation a lot better um during the match i mean commentators were saying um that it had been the situation for all of the matches that had been on the john kane arena i don't remember watching any of the matches on john kane arena this week up until that point where that music had been there or at least been you know that i'd been able to hear it so i think it was um you know if you had been there all week it was certainly louder um than it had been in previous matches um and i think you that you know the first set dan was complaining to the umpire you know pretty much every changeover and even between points at some you know at one point saying you know how ridiculous it was um so i do think that probably did have something of an impact early on in the match and you know when dan lost that first set 6-4 that's what i put that down to and i just think he never recovered from that and he'd obviously um you know I, 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 he he knows he had a bad day there he he you know he Andy Murray was watching and he apologised to Andy afterwards for putting on a poor show, didn't he? So, um, mm. yeah, um, he won't be happy with his performance there. It's been a promising start, hasn't it? And, you know, he uh, he does have, you know, quite a few, I think, ranking points to defend coming up um, over the next kind of few months. But the way he is playing, he could, you know, I definitely see him potentially breaking in to that, potentially the the world's top 20 I think he's quite close, isn't he now mm. to top twenty? So yeah, um, I, I I wouldn't be surprised if we see him around the fifteen level, um, yep. probably yep. by the summer. So I mean, now that obviously he he has gone out, he was our last British hope in the singles. How do you sort of reflect? I think on the Brits in the singles so far because we had you know Norrie losing to Corder in straight sets in the first round. Murray had a really good win against Bashnashvili in five, but then lost to Taro Daniel in three. And then we had, similarly, Raducanu had a very good win against Sloane Stevens, but backed it up with a loss to, to Kovinic. I, Watson, again, had a good win against uh, Sharif, then lost to Sidanzek. So it, it's, it's, how do you kind of reflect on the, how Brits have done? Because it feels very kind of, for me, quite stop-start. You know, there's been a good performance and then it's been followed up by a, an iffy performance. Yeah, I, th- I would have liked to have seen... Um... The, the British contingent do better than they have. I think some of it comes down to the the luck of the draw, or rather the unluckiness of the draw. Um, Corder is a really, really good player. Um, I watched him at Wimbledon beat Alex Dimonor, um last year and was was quite blown away by his performance there. So he's definitely, you know, on the um, you know going upward off trajectory. Yes, yeah. the upward trajectory. Um, he's definitely one to keep an eye on and his and he's he's going to have a really good year i think um so um yeah i think murray probably should have beat tara daniel but it, it, it murray's one of those at the moment you just you just don't know how much murray's got in him you know five sets is a lot to play for murray um so 
even with two days, even with like you know a day and a half probably recovery, it's still a lot to ask him to then play again. Um, and he did have a good week in Sydney before, so perhaps he's just worn out. I don't know. It's just just it's just a weird one that one. Um, expected more of Raducanu, but again, you get blisters on your hand. What can you do? Um, that's that's a you know a, an effect of having not played. Um, for a while, because obviously she had COVID, so she couldn't. She didn't. Play, she didn't have much of a pre-season. Um, so, you know, that's obviously had a, a physical effect there. That's, I think, you know, has obviously hampered her. To credit to, she put up a fight, didn't she? She wasn't going to give in. Um, she, you know, her I mean, team, team wanted her to withdraw, didn't exactly. she? Exactly. Yeah. You know, had she won that, there's no chance she would have played against, um, you know, no chance she would have played a third round match. Um, but uh, yeah, um, Watson, kind of what I expected really to do second round. Third round would have been nice, but second round at a slam is probably where you expect Watson to be now. And obviously we had Harriet Dart get Igish Frontek in the first round, which is a nightmare draw for a qualifier. Um, so, yeah, I think some of it comes down to the draw, um, the draws, and some of it comes down to a little bit of um, not quite quite what you would expect from them. Well, what would you, what would you give out of 10, do you think, for... Brits in Melbourne in the singles, five, five or six. If 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 sort of ten is exceptional, and I, I don't know actually. Let's say ten is exceptional, and five is five to six is what you, is is kind of expected. Then actually, probably four to five. There was definitely a little bit more, and hopefully, yeah, come come the next Grand Slam, come the French Open, hopefully singles singles wise, we can do a bit better. But um, yeah, let's let's move on. You know, obviously, we had some tops or some of the top seeds in action. I mean, we did have the top seed left in action. Daniel Medvedev, uh, he beat Botic van der Zandschulp in straight sets, six four, six four, six two. Uh, Sissipas also won against Benoit Pair in four sets, six three, seven five, six seven, six four. I mean, just talking about a couple of these matches. I mean, we're still. I think for Medvedev, he's not that Kyrgios match. I think yes, he was tested, and I was sort of expecting Botic van der Zandschulp maybe to give him a bit more of a run for his money. But again, he just came out. He's just playing too good, too good tennis at the moment, and you know he comes up against big serving. Likes to come to the net, Maxime Cressy in the next round, who came overcame Chris O'Connell, uh, the Australian, in four sets. Do you see any issues there for for Medvedev, or do you just think he's he's just still on his march, potentially all the way to the title? Yeah, no, I think he's probably going all the way to um, the title. Um, he's got the most probably open draw now that he could have wished for, especially you know his his section. He's not playing a seed in the fourth round. Um, Chilic and Felix Ozzarelli seem uh, I don't think it troubled him too much looking at just the other seeds in his quarter um, potentially Sitsipas or Sinner um, I don't think it would be too difficult for him I think you know if he gets Nadal or well if he gets Nadal in the final that's probably going to you know that's probably going to be his biggest test is against Nadal um, if Nadal makes it to the final. Um, but I think it's probably, um, you know, with the absence of Novak Djokovic in the draw, uh, I think Medvedev is obviously the clear favourite. Um, so, you know, he plays excellent on a hard court. So, yeah, I don't see, I can't really see anyone troubling him. I, I, I saw him watch, I, I watched him play uh, Kyrgios. Um, I didn't see his third round match um, against Botic van de Zandschulp. Um I mean, we also had uh, you know Yannick Sinner defeating Andy Murray conqueror Taro Daniel in four sets. Yeah, I, that was that was sort of the performance I, I wanted Andy Murray to put it against Taro Daniel. But you know, the fact that he got, as a qualifier got to the third round, took a set off Sinner. Yeah, it, it shows that he again. It was in some very, very good form, and and maybe Murray will look at that result and say, you know, hey, he just played, he just played some really, really good tennis, and he did make Yannick Sinner sweat, I think, a little bit um, in their match. But you know, Sinner coming through, a very, very good competitor. 
I think he'll have gone into that match with Sinner with a lot of confidence, having beaten Andy Murray in straight sets. Um, you know, he won't have he won't have gone into there going, "Oh crap, I'm now going to play someone who's really good" because he's already beaten someone who's really good. Mm, yeah. um, and also, it's all he's. You know, I think he's the last qualifier in the draw, isn't he? At that stage, so to you know, he's, he's got a bit of the, a little bit of the Radicar news about him. This, um, this type, this Australian Open in the, he's you know, the deepest um, going qualifier in the draw. So you think he's got another, you know, he's played six matches. That's probably more matches than he would play normally in a week anyway. So I think he can be pretty proud of what he's achieved, Tara Daniel. But um, yeah, Yannick Sinner, I expected to win that one. Um, before it happened, um, because just because it's Yannick Sinner, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ex- exactly. And uh, you know, finally we had uh, you know very a very good win. I think uh, Taylor Fritz, another American who is doing very well uh, down under, he defeated Roberto Bautista Agut in five sets. Uh, he's through to the fourth round of a Grand Slam for the first time in his career. He again is playing some very very good tennis. I didn't realise this, Lee. He had lost all seven of his third round matches at Grand Slams before this. So, you know, he obviously was very excited, I think, by breaking breaking that duck um, against, uh, yeah, a very wily opponent in, I think, in RBA. You know, coming through 6-3 in the fifth set, you know, he was talking about the fact that you know, he's waited so long for this moment. Um, it was obviously, I think, playing on his mind, and um, yeah, really nice to see. I think uh, for a player like Fritz, because on his day, he's a very, he can be a handful, very quality player, and I think he deserves to be in the. You know, I, I, I see him as a player who certainly can be a, a fourth round quarter finalist player at a Grand Slam, and I think on the hard courts in in Melbourne, he feels he feels right at home. Yeah, I mean, you know, he he'd already got a a, a good head to head record against RBA, um, but I think you know he'd he'd obviously he'd had a good match against TFO in the second round um, where he won in straight sets, so he went into it with a lot of confidence. He went out and bageled him in the first set. Um, you know, I think it, he can say that he's having a good a good Australian Open. Um, he will play Tsitsipas next. Um, which I think will be a good test of where his level is to play, you know, a top five player. Um, not that he hasn't, you know, he hasn't played those before, but I think that will be, that will do him really good. If he can take a, you know, if he can take a set or two off Pass, I think he'll be quite happy with that. Um, who knows? Maybe he can go one, one more than that. You know what? I would not, I would not be surprised if Taylor Fritz potentially upsets Stefano Pass. I do think there's, there are opportunities, there are opportunities there. I don't think it's a banker for City Pass to win that one. Um, there are other fourth round matches where I'd be more confident in calling the winner. I mean, Medvedev Cressy for one. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know, I've, <laughs> you, you know, there are others in there where um, it's it's going to be less close. I, I think Fritz City Pass could be a really good match to watch. Um, that'll be tomorrow. Yes, def- definitely. And, um, you know, let's move on to the talking about the women, because it was really a, a day of comebacks uh, from a set down uh, on, on the women's side. Uh, Sabalenka, Danielle Collins and Elise Cornet, uh, all won from a, a set down. Uh, Sabalenka is just making a habit of this at the moment <laughs> in Australia. I think she's I think this is her third match in a row that she's won uh, from a set down, which, again, I think shows how much fight and determination she has. Uh, she beat uh, Von Drusova 4-6, 6-3, Yeah, very, very good. She's, again, I think slowly rediscovering her serve. Um, I think she, I, I, I say this quite like, I say this like offhand, but only 10 double falsely, only 10. Um, but uh, yeah, I think, you know, she's employed Mark Filippus, I think, to help her. I think she credits him helping you know, rectify the kind of serving situation. And I think just recognising it, yeah, in the first place means that you're right. She can get on to kind of thinking, how do I, you know, how do I solve this in order to, you know, potentially go on and win a grand, you know, grand slam or even get to the final. 
I mean, she she joked about it, didn't she, in a post match um, interview um, that she only uh, had ten double faults. Um, <laughs> I think if she can solve that problem, um, and I'm not saying this is going to happen overnight, that she's now not going to double fault at all between now and the end of the tournament, because clearly she will. Um, but I think if she can solve that problem, that is going to do her really well, because the rest of the game is there, isn't it? The Sabalenka. Yeah. She's, Which she's, makes it more, it just makes it even more <laughs> perplexing. It, it's like one, it's one shot, but obviously it's like the most crucial sh- shot. Yeah. You start every point, you know, you can start every point with it. She's she's got the focus, hasn't she? You can you, you I mean you can tell that in her facial expression. She's a very serious looking person when she plays. So she's got the focus. She's got, um, you know, she can clearly adapt to play, you know, to what her opponent's doing. And she shows that in you know the sort of the three set comebacks that she's she's had. I mean, she did that in the first round um, against Storm Sanders. She did that in the second round against Wong. So she's that's her. Th- three matches in a row where she's done that um, this week. Um, she's clearly got the mentality to get her around, around the obstacles that her opponents put in front of her. Um, so I think if she can just sort that first, uh, that, that serving issue out, um, <laughs> you know, she can, she can go far, but I'm not saying, I'm not sure whether that's going to happen at the Australian open. I think that will come, you know, hopefully with, with Philippoutis at her side, then that will hopefully come this year. Just on that, do you think Sabalenka can can win the Australian Open without her serve firing at a hundred percent, or do you think that's going to be very like very very difficult? Because you know, at the moment, I'm just kind of looking you know, at her performances, and as I said, that grit and determination seems to be seems to be the difference at the moment. Um, and I wonder if she can just keep that battling mentality going. Make you know, perhaps. You know, she doesn't need her serve um, to be firing on all cylinders because she's, you know, she's she's just she's just finding a way to, you know, finding a way to get it done. Yeah, I mean, if if she's not, you know, she's double faulting a lot, and she's not necessarily winning service games, but she's winning matches. She must be doing something right when she's on the return. Um, is that enough to? you know, to win a Grand Slam? Or is that enough to um, have a good run at every tournament? Um, you know, I think some of it might be riding on the look of how the opponent serves as well. So it's, I think it's something she does need to sort out. It doesn't, I'm not saying it has to be perfect. No no player plays, you know, perfectly and never double faults. But um, someone will come up with some, you know, in the mailbag next week, you'll have... So and so never double faulted in a whole tournament. Yeah, I'm sure it's happened at some point. But um, you know, you don't have players. There's no player that doesn't double fault occasionally. So um, I think she does need to get that number down to probably you know, around three or four a match is 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 going to be what she'll probably be looking at. Um, she's got some strong players in her in the draw as well that could you know get in her way. So Shvantec will be in there. Potentially Halep, I think is you know, although she you know her, although she's only fourteenth seed at the moment, I think she's playing well. Um, Danielle Collins in the draw, you know, we'll, we'll yeah, let's move. In fact, let's take this opportunity to move on to Danielle Collins, um, um, because she's uh, had, had a similar um, match where she has won from a set down. Um, she won four six six four seven five, beating Clara Tolson of Denmark, who is a player who seemingly was having a good uh, tournament, having been cultivated in the second round. What did you make of Daniel Collins' performance? I mean, I love Daniel Collins. I, I watched her live. Uh, I watched her like live playing for America um, at the Billie Jean King Cup in Prague last season, and I love her attitude and demeanor on court. Um, I think you know she's very candid about you know she just goes on court and wants wants to win doesn't really care you know what what other people think she just wants to go out there and be, play the best tennis possible and um, yeah really 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 impressive victory from her she's going well in the doubles as well I think she's got Elise Mertens next in in round four who again is a player I think feels very very winnable you know Elise Mertens for me is a player who still is yet really to kind of kick on um 
you know from the consistency that that she has um yes Mertens is like the perennial fourth round player but I think Danielle Collins will be looking at that thinking well yeah she she's done she's done what she's she's always she's she's done what she always does but now I'm gonna kind of now I'm gonna you know send her packing at the stage that yeah she she normally gets to um so I definitely think that is a very winnable tie I mean I mean yes granted Mertens has you know she had a breakout moment um you know on on the tour at the Australian Open but yeah I think the way Collins is playing she's going to be very 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 tough to handle um and potentially you know the same with uh, you know Lise Cornet who came through tomorrow as a Danzek from a set down uh four six six four six two now i didn't know this but she has simona Halep next and leads the head-to-head there three one they haven't played granted granted they haven't played since 2015 but um yeah that's a again very interesting match i, I just think i just think there might be questions over fitness potentially for both of them because they both had quite long matches i mean cornet's was two hours 43 minutes simona Halep, it feels like she's just walking through the the draw at the moment so there might be a fitness question there but it's again it's just great to see elise cornet another player i saw a lot of play for france at the, the billy jean king cup um you know <laughs> all i would say to it is put off retirement uh you know you're playing <laughs> yeah. really really playing really really well at the moment yeah, it feels, it feels like Cornet's been around for a long time, and um, but she still goes out there and she still pushes, um, you know, for for the win. And I, I really enjoyed this match. I mean, this was on at the same time as you were watching Daniel Collins, so um, I don't know how much you saw of this, but she this match had everything of a typical Cornet match. You know, it had the whinging at the umpire, it had the 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 sort of the peak performance um followed by the 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 drop in the level and then come back again um i think zidansek was probably um worn out by the end of it it was you know cornet said it was a very hot and very physical match for both of them so um and it was her birthday so i think she was probably in a good mood as well um i don't know if you saw the the, the interview at the end she she did the whole interview um and then she remembered it was her birthday just at the very end and she decided that she wanted the crowd to sing happy birthday to her so she went back to the microphone and told them that it was her birthday and then she went out out onto the court and sort of conducted them by waving her arms <laughs> <laughs> do you know what she's absolutely bonkers but i love her um yeah i think halep uh, yeah like you say fitness is going to be a worry she had both of her thighs strapped during that match um against Sidansek. um and um but she's had you know i think she's had quite a good run in the same way that um that clara tolson had although she came out on top of it on the third round because um both tolson and cornet beat top seeds you know top 10 seeds in the second round um with Torsen beating Contivate, uh Kwane beat Muguruza, which which, mm. which was a shock for me. Yeah. Um yeah. you know, shot in the arm game, for me. Yeah, it just wasn't there, was it, Muguruza's game. So um yeah, I think it'll be an interesting one. I mean, when I looked at the draw at the very start of this uh tournament, I would have not have put Halep and Corne in the fourth round meeting each other. Um I had got Radicanu getting to the fourth round and Muguruza getting to the fourth round. Um, so, yeah, not what we expected. But does it still feel like we're sort of marching towards a, a Halep-Sviontek potential semi-final, maybe? Because I feel like those two are, are playing, they are playing the best tennis, um, I think, you know, alongside Ash Barty. You know, Sviontek defeated Kasatkina 6-2, 6-3. Has Kastea next? I don't see a lot of trouble there. I think Halep will come through Cornet, uh, and it might be quite, I think it could be quite elementary, potentially. But it does feel like they are playing some very, very good tennis at the moment. And and again, Sviontek is, I think the the manner of the wins of, of Sviontek, they're reminding me of her French Open run in terms of they're just, it's just been very, very clinical, no fuss, get the job done, move on to the next match. And I was going to say Halep and Shvantec, neither of them have dropped a set so far. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, they've both had a couple of, in fact, 
I think the most. So Halep has lost a set six four her first set, but since then none of them have lost you know more than three games in a in a set. So it's yeah, I think it's it's probably nailed on for that to be um, the quarter final Halep Shrontek. Um but that would be quarter final. No, sorry, that would be semi final. Semi final. Um, yeah. yeah. So. Yeah, I think, you know, the only sort of spanner into that is potentially Sabalenka. So we'll see. And and finally, before we go to a quick ad break, we had Kaya Kinepi, who I know Simona Hallett always looks out for uh, in round one of a, a Grand Slam. Uh, but yeah, she is in the fourth round. She defeated Australian Madison Inglis. Uh, yeah, Kanepi, another obviously very experienced player, has you know very much a, a power game. It I think is a game where it can look amazing, but it also at times could look you know could look terrible if if the you know if the winners aren't coming, it leads to a lot of unforced errors and they do rack up I think quite quickly. But at the moment, yeah, it's great again to see another I think experienced player on the tour like you know like Marin Cilic go you know go and make a deep run into a into a grand slam because I, I do think you know we know we associate her as a player who can pull off a big shock in round one but then sort of bombs out in in round two. So actually it's it's great I think to see her actually showing i can put you know i can put a string of wins together and not just be known for the big shot yeah she's backed that up hasn't she when you know she's i'm not sure that her beating kerber is necessarily an upset um because kerber's come into it cold she didn't do any pre ao Mm. tournament she just flew Um, out for the tournament didn't she yeah pretty much i mean it wouldn't surprise me she still had jet lag when she stepped onto the court to be honest um yeah, and Kerber's one of those that at the moment can be hit and miss, can't can't she? So um, you never quite know um, with Kerber. And I was surprised that Leila Fernandez uh, went out in the first round as well. So it set up this really nice match between Kanepi and Inglis, um, which was great for the Aussie crowd as well to have um, Madison Inglis uh, there to support. And I think, you know, she took the opening her, set as well. Exactly. To, to to take that opening set would have really, you know, it's a shame she couldn't perhaps make more of that. But um, I think experience, you know, probably won that one on the day. Right. We're going to take a quick break now, but join us in the second half where we're going to be looking back at day five of the Australian Open. So don't go anywhere. Welcome back to The Passing Shot with Joel and Kim, sponsored by DownloadTennis.com. And now we're going to move back onto day five, a day of upsets, Lee. And we have to obviously start with Naomi Osaka versus Amanda Anisimova. What a match. I mean, it's probably one of the matches of the tournament so far, if not the match. Anisimova winning, saving two match points, uh, winning in a final set tiebreak. 4-6-6-3-7-6-7-5 in that tie break. Very, very impressive. I mean, where 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 do you start with this? Because this was a game where it, it gave me it, it it reminded me of Asaka Muguruza from from last year. Um, you know, in terms of those match points, not taking them. And then yeah, but but this time it was Anisimova doing to Asaka what I think Asaka did to Muguruza last year. Okay, well, I'm going to confess that I did not watch this match because <laughs> I was fast asleep at this point. Um, the, 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 uh, the, the, the schedule schedule had caught up on me. Um, so I think if you can just briefly talk through what happened in this match for me, that would be really helpful. Um, but yes, it were, I was surprised, quite shocked to see Osaka lose in the third round of the Australian Open. That was not what I was expecting. I was expecting to be watching... Barty Osaka uh, this this morning, um, so a bit disappointed that that didn't happen because you know they're two of my favourite players. So um, yeah, tell me what happened, please. <laughs> yeah, I mean it was a. I think you know this was a match very much of, of fine margins. It did ebb and flow, and I think it did come down to you know who was gonna you know hit winners without making unforced errors, and in that third set, ultimately. That was Anna Samova. She had 20 winners, 
to 18 unforced errors, whereas only Osaka had six winners to 21 unforced errors. And I think what was so amazing, I think, was that, you know, you don't say this very often, but I think Osaka got hit off the court. Anisimova, I think, in the whole match, had double the amount of winners um, as Osaka did. And that 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 power, did she just, yeah, at times, I don't think she could live with it. Um you know, I think both players taught a very, very, very high level. Um, it was a shame. I think this was a, you know, third round match, and I'm, I'm hoping that you know Anna Samova can stay fit and and continue that you know march up the rankings. Um, you know, we're recording this. She's already kind of gone out in the next round to to Ash Barty in straight sets. But you know, this alone I think shows just underlines just how. You know how good of a, a prospect she is. I think how fruitful this partnership potentially could be with Darren Cahill if if that kind of continues. I think there's a question mark there in terms of how they go on from here because the success she's had has been absolutely fantastic, and I certainly think that she, with this this match, just she just left it all out there, and I think she needed to because. You know, Saka afterwards, she was, you know, pretty despondent, I think. You know, I saw, you know, some cameras in the, you know, in the changing room, just, you know, her wanting a hug, very feeling very, looking very down, I think, because, you know, I think she would have thought, how, you know, how did I, how did I lose that match? I was playing very good tennis. I got two match points. But yeah, Anna Samova, she just did not crack under the pressure and then was able to take her chances. And it was, uh, I think it's a, a match Anna Samova will potentially look at as a, a turning point, I think, in her, you know, potentially in her career and, you know, in the future in terms of, you know, this this was the match that let's start, you know, and this, you know, this tournament was the start for me, you know, for big things. And, you know, there's still a way to go, but I th- certainly think with potentially someone like a Darren Cahill in, in her corner, yeah, who knows where she could go, but she could certainly, I think, be, top 10 maybe even maybe even top five so the other match that was happening at exactly the same time as that one so therefore i did not see this one either um was ash barty beating camilla georgie now that was a fairly straightforward 6-2 6-3 win for ash barty um ash barty going into that game into that match had only dropped three games through the first two rounds so um i think you know it's the Australian Open. It's Ash Barty. You expect her to do very well. Um, obviously, she's you know we know now that she's beaten Isimova as well. Um, do you think Ash Barty is gonna be in the final? I mean, it's it feels like a no-brainer at the moment, um, given the tennis that she's playing. Yeah, it was a shame. I think that we didn't get that that blockbuster Barty Osaka matchup because I think. <laughs> I think maybe if Osaka had, I think if Osaka had got there, I think she would have tested Barty more potentially than, than Anisimova has. Um, but having said that, you know, she's just proving to be just invin, yeah, invincible. And she's playing like, you know, she is playing like the world number one. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't put it against her. And I think, you know, there could be a, there might be a, a shock loss along the way, but I don't, I can't, I can't really see that at the moment. It, well, exactly. I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I, think, I think before today, I would possibly have said Sakari, but then Sakari lost today. So yeah, um, exactly. Sakari I mean, had Sakari had a good um, third round match. We had wins for her and for Bedosa, Azarenka, uh, Krejcikova. Um, it's yeah, it's it's tricky because. You know, we've seen today, you know, Jesse Pegula's come through, Madison Keys, you know, players who I think, you know, we we know that they've been very, very good on a hardcore Grand Slam uh, over over the last few years. And I think they've used the 2022 Australian Open as a as a, like a reminder of that. But yeah, they're in, I think, that that part of the draw with Ash Barty. And I just think at the moment, Ash Barty's just a, just a force of nature and she's just steamrolling her way through at the the you know she's steamrolling her way through at the draw at the moment so um i just want to pick up on the um on the win for victoria azarenka over elena svitolina um i don't know i don't know how whether you feel the same about svitolina svitolina is consistent 
but she's never gone the extra bit just to get into, you know, the, the, you know, go as far as I think she probably could go. She's very consistent throughout the year. Um, but there's always somewhere there's a loss that doesn't quite get her. You know, I don't think she's going to win a Grand Slam because of this. I feel like she's been in reverse. I feel like a few seasons ago we were talking about her making that step from semi-final to final. But it feels now with it's getting more to getting out of week one to week two or, you know, maybe even a little bit more like an Elise Mertens, like a fourth round to a, a quarter final. Because, yeah, she came unstuck against Azarenko and it was... I mean, do you think that match says more about Azarenka than it does about Svitolina or the other way around? I think it kind of, you know, it's a real positive for Azarenka that she's back at that level where she's beating top players. Um, you know, she can, you can tell she's really enjoying her tennis as well. Um, you know, she, she brought her son into the press conference afterwards. And, and I don't know if you saw this, that one of the reporters asked, um, I forget what the name of her son is, but asked the, the, her son, how did mommy play? And the son just said, awesome. And she is playing, you know, that's spot on mm. analysis. She is playing really, really awesome at the moment is Azarenka. Um, it made me smile. I, I mean, I think that result against Svitolina for Azarenka says more, I think says more about Svitolina than Azarenka because again, we've already seen, you know, Azarenka lost quite comfortably to, to Krachikova today um, in, you know, in round four. Uh, again, I feel like that's a funny matchup for Azarenka. I just there's something there that it does that does not compute. I think uh, when she faces Kuchikova, but um, yeah, it will be yeah. We'll we'll have to see. But yeah, I'm, I'm I think it says more about how Svitolina's game has I think regressed a little bit over the last six to six to twelve months. She needs to you know she needs to ask <laughs> she needs to ask her husband uh, Gail Bonfils kind of what I need to do because he's having a he's having a resurgence at the moment and I think I think Svitolina she wants that resurgence that I think you know her partner's having do you think maybe that could be a a negative effect in that if she can see Gail playing really well it sets a bar for her that's perhaps too high I don't or or Mm, perhaps she's over expecting and then you know perhaps um working herself too much up about it. Do you know what I mean? Um, and therefore going into, going into the match with high expectations um, because and feeling the pressure because of that. I don't know. It's an interesting thought and I don't know if, yeah, they do. I feel like naturally it's hard not to com- you know, com- compare, but um, yeah, I don't, I don't think she should. Obviously she should be focusing on a game and, and just herself, but um, yeah, there might, you know, she might internally feel like there's a, a pressure there and, you know, seeing like, you know this happening and why is it not happening for me but uh she's gonna have to I think figure it out over you know this season you know she had changes in her team last season she needs to figure out how she's going to get back to you know where she was I think a few years ago where I think she was more and more consistently getting to quarterfinals and and semifinals so you know we'll we'll see so moving on to the men's draw and we had an absolutely Classic, classic match. Really fun, entertaining match. Carlos Alcaraz versus Matteo Berrettini. And we had Berrettini winning um, in five sets, having been two sets up. Lee, I feel like this is a scoreline we don't necessarily see very often um, when a player goes two sets up and then loses the next two and then is able to wrestle back the momentum and win in five. But Berrettini was able to do that. This was a match that was was fantastic and i'm i'm sort of looking forward to this as a a rivalry i think in the you know in the future i do think this is a match that can just capture a lot of people's uh attention just because it's well i know kim kim would come in and say matteo maritini is a very dishy sort of player but he's also got a very good (laughs) tennis player as well and carlos alcaraz you know we've seen him beef up over the over the summer again oh definitely yeah brought another level of He's brought another. He's even gone, you know, higher. I think this season what we've seen so far. But uh, yeah, Berrettini. I think maybe just his experience, his experience a little bit more showed um, potentially, you know, at the end in that champ in that deciding championship tiebreak. So as we're recording this, um, Berrettini is playing his. Uh, fourth round match against Pablo Carreno Busta. So we don't know the outcome of that one yet. Um, 
but I think the, the, the draw there is really good for Berrettini um, to to make that quarterfinal um, because he's having a really good tournament. Um, yeah, it's I, I agree with what you said about uh, coming through a five-set match, having won the first two sets. However, it was a tie-break in the fifth set. I think if you're going to do that and come back in the fifth set, um, it's going to be close, isn't it? So, um, yeah, to do that on a tie, you, you either expect it to go the way of the player who has won the third and fourth sets quite comfortably, or it's going to be really close and perhaps be on a tie break. So I, I've obviously got a second win during that match and uh, and and really gone for it, and and it's paid off. So um, yeah, I I don't know is that going to affect him in his fourth round match and and you know wear him out? I don't know. Yeah, it's in, it's interesting because uh, you know I don't feel like we really talk about you know Ber- Berrettini at the moment as a potential Grand Slam contender, but you know if you look at his record in Grand Slam since 2021, it's quite it's quite fascinating because he is 19 and 0 against anyone not named Novak Djokovic, but against Novak Djokovic he is 1-0 loss three, so. You know, there's there's not really, and, and Novak Djokovic obviously is not in the Australian Open draw. So, you know, g- given that, should we should we be talking about him as a a Grand Slam contender? Yeah, potent- potentially, because he's is again a very tough nut to crack. And you know, with his massive serve and a massive forehand, when they're firing on their day, you know, a lot of players just come unstuck and are not really sure what to do about it. I mean, how do you think? Do you think Berrettini can beat? Rafa Nadal, um, if they get to, because I, I, I have a feeling, I you know, I get a feeling that's going to be the semi-final at the moment. Yeah, I don't. It's 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 tricky. I still, I probably would still back Nadal. Um, I don't, you know, I don't know. I think with Berrettini, there are maybe I, I know that he has. There are. I've always think fitness questions for him over, you know, at, at Grand Slams, but. Yeah, we'll we'll see, but you know, I think certainly he's always, I think, brought his A game and is living up to his expect living up to expectations, and is going under the radar a little bit. Whereas someone like a Carlos Alcaraz, I feel like, you know, given you know what happened at the U.S. Open last se- last season, all eyes are on him at the moment. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think this he will look back on this defeat, and I think he will look at it in a constructive way in terms of. You know, I think giving him that belief that actually I can play, you know, I can play with the big boys. I can play with top 10 in the world. And yeah, I think you'll be quite pleased with, you know, how far he's gone. I mean, it's not I don't think it's anything to be really disappointed about losing a fifth set tie break from, you know, from a two set uh, from two sets down to then come back and win the next two to then lose it on the fifth set tiebreak, I don't think he'll be too disappointed in that because that will show that it's only come down to, what, a matter of probably five or six points at the end of the match um, after, you know, what's what's going to have been a very long match. Um, yeah, I don't think Carlos Alcaraz has anything to be disappointed about in, in that loss, especially to a top 10 player. Moving on to another Spaniard, we have Rafa Nadal. He beat Karen Kachanov in four sets, 6-3, 6-2, 3-6-6-1. I mean, no, there's not really... Is there alarm bells there because he dropped a set? I don't I don't think so. Uh, I just thought, yeah, he just he just kind of bounced back. And I think Ka- Kachanov, it was almost kind of his last, his last stand, I think, in that third set. And he didn't really have an, a, much else to give in that fourth. And, and Nadal sort of ran away with it. So... Yeah, Nadal, I think, is marching on. Um, you know, he also has come through today against Manorino uh, in straight sets. Manorino surprisingly beat Aslan Karatsev uh, in a match that ended at a past half two in the morning. This has to be, Lee, for me, this has to be one of the longest four set matches uh, I think I've, well, I think I've seen anyway, like four hours, 38 minutes uh, for a 7 6, six seven, seven five six four win i mean that's a very gutsy performance from manorino because i would have thought that was a matchup that would favor karatsev but yeah karatsev just you know he probably you know minutes on on the court perhaps catching up with him that really long first round match where it went kind of five hours um 
so yeah very 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 good for for manorino he um kept his unforced error count really really low um despite you know the amount of time on court i think he only hit 14 unforced errors so you know that i think was the the foundation to his success was was keeping that error count low i mean i was i was quite impressed with manorino's performance here in this match because um this was when i'd I'd gone to bed during the day session so i missed barty and osaka and when i got up this match was still going um and watching them you know sort of in the third and the fourth set they were clearly both exhausted um because they'd been on the court for a good four hours at that point. But I think I could see it more in Karatsev's face than I could in Manorino's face. Um, I don't know whether that was just, you know, just how it showed. And, and you know, you never know, quite know how exhausted someone is. But I, I think perhaps Manorino picked up on that a bit from Karatsev as well, that he just knew that if he stayed in there, it's only going to get worse for Karatsev. Um so you know why not go for it and 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 it paid off didn't it you know mm, came through yeah. the four sets um and also in you know we, 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 well, yeah we, yes we're focusing on the third round today but his fourth round match against against nadal yes it was straight sets but that first set was a 16 14 tie break <laughs> <I know>. um <laughs> so he's clearly you know i think brought what he had in the third round into the fourth round and just gone, look, if I can go long here, um, then perhaps, you know, perhaps it'll pay off. And he was very, very close to taking that first set. And maybe it would have been a little bit more, yeah, a little bit more interesting uh, if if he had done so. But alas, it was not the case. Um, we also, I mean, just wrapping up round three, we had Denis Shapovalov uh, win against Riley Opelka. Uh, he actually is also just caused perhaps one of the, Shocks on the men's side. He beat Zverev um, as the third seed in the fourth round. Um, so, yeah, um, he's obviously playing very, very well. I mean, Canada won the ATP Cup, didn't they? And both those both those players, Ogier Aliassim and Shapovalov, are just carrying on that form, aren't they? They're just, you know, they're just, they're just bringing their A game at the moment. And perhaps they are, perhaps they think they are in competition with each other. And, and it's, that's driving their... That's driving their success because both players playing very, very good. I mean, to, for Shapovalov to, you know, defeat Zverev, who again has been a player who has been, I think, feel like he's been sort of walking through the draw with, you know, relatively easy straight sets victories to, for Shapovalov to pull out that victory. Very, very impressive. Yeah, definitely. I think with, with Zverev, there's a, um, quite a bit of determination in him to make a statement at a, Grand Slam, and then and then at one point it just collapses, and we've seen that before in tournaments where he's you know he's had quite high expectations um, that I think he probably puts on himself, and then he gets to a match and he just doesn't have the answers for for his opponent. Um, Denis Shapovalov has played a lot of tennis. He played a four setter and a five setter, and then another four setter. You know that's a lot of tennis going into then the fourth round, but. Um, you know, it, you can tell with, with Shapovalov, he's really kind of knows what he's doing. And um, I don't know whether, you know, I don't know what work, you know, what work he's done in the preseason to to help his game. But whatever he's done, it's it, it's working because, um, you know, to, to do well in the ATP Cup will have given him a lot of confidence as well going into the into this Australian Open. He's not had particularly tricky opponents, I would say. So therefore, I would say that no, to, to have four setter and a five setter and then a four setter again um perhaps some of those matches could have been you know he could have won a bit more easily but um you know i think he's turned he's, he's certainly you know shown what he's capable of up against Zverev um definitely and and finally we have to talk about gelman feast we've sort of mentioned his name um over the last hour or so but he is also into the the quarterfinals. Um, he in his third round match beat Christian Garin in straight sets. Uh, he played then Kekmanovic in straight sets. I think uh, in round four. So yeah, it's great. I think it's great to see Gail back into a quarterfinal of a, a Grand Slam. It's certainly. I don't think I was expecting this going into the the twenty twenty two season. I was not, you know, thinking Gail Monfils. Yep, he's got a second wind in him. He's going to come come back, but. He is playing some 
crazy good tennis at the moment and it's been very very impressive very very impressive and a little bit surprising i think you know a little bit like that marin chilich category you know he's he's got all this experience he's been deep in grand slams before and he's just reminding us like i'm you know i'm still here i'm injury free look what i can do on a tennis court yeah and he's and he's done really well in terms of the the score lines he's you know he hasn't he's yet to drop a set um in the first round it were and the second round and the third round he had uh five sets where it was six one or better um so it just goes to show he's playing really well and also now for Gael Monfils he's got the advantage of the position in the draw where there is no Novak Djokovic um because he plays he played Kekmanovic today um and beat him so he will now get the the winner of Carreno Buster versus Berrettini um yeah again I would not have said Gael Monfils was not the first person coming to my mind in terms of who's going to make the most of this uh, you know Novak Djokovic void um at the top <laughs> of the Australian Open draw but hey it looks you know it's it looks like that at the moment um I mean let's just quickly look at uh, the order of play for today. We are sort of halfway, three quarters of the way through it. Um, you know, we've still got some matches in the night session going on at the moment. I mean, where's your, I mean, we've had, I feel like a quite a few shocks so far in the, in the day session, particularly on the, the women's side, um, you know, Bedosa versus Keys. I was surprised Madison Keys came out so convincingly. Um, She's having a good run. Yeah. She's having a really good really good AO. Um, and Pegula as well against Zachary. I was that also caught yeah. me a little bit to my surprise. Yeah, I was surprised um with the with the um the sort of determination that Zachary's had so far going through the tournament. I was surprised to see her lose. Um I, I watched most of that match this morning um and was quite disappointed in how Sakari had played. Um you know it it she she lost that first set on a tie break, uh, a tie bagel seven zero, um, and I think from there it just never came back for her. So um, I don't know whether with Sakari it's been um, because we didn't touch on a, a third round match much um, earlier on. So um, with Sakari, she's had really good local support um, from the Greek fans there, which I presume are there at Tsitsipas's. Um, matches as well. There's a, a big Greek community in Melbourne. She played obviously this one on. Um, she's been playing on outside courts before. She played this one this morning on the Margaret Court Arena. Um, I don't think there was so much of a sort of Greek support for her, uh, with it being a ticketed court. Um, so, yeah, um, a bit disappointed in Maria Sakari because I kind of had her to come through her section and um she's let me down unfortunately but there will I be can hear in your voice that you're dis- <laughs> you're like you're disappointed um <laughs> yeah i mean we've got we've we do have obviously matches tomorrow of the other fourth round matches de menor sinner fritz sisipas chilich ogia aliasim cressy medvedev as well on the the men's side as well as collins mertens halep cornage fiontek kastea kanepi sabalenka i mean Lee, if there was one of those matches you would be front and centre for, which one? Which one would it be? Um, Halep Cornet. Ooh, I know. I, yes. and I say that, but I expect Halep to win that. So it's because I'm not sure that Cornet's fitness is all there, but I think I still think it will be fun because Cornet is always fun to watch. Um, Halep is always interesting to watch you know she plays really good tennis so that would be my pick of the fourth round matches tomorrow how about you i'm i'm going for taylor fritz versus stefano sitsipas i'm yeah i'm sensing and i'm sensing an upset there um i think that's night yeah. session as well so you haven't got to get up too early for that one <laughs> yeah so uh yeah we will we will see we'll see how they we will see how they get on but uh yeah we're going to wrap it up for this round three round by round catch up at passing shot hq listeners i hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode of the passing shot remember to subscribe to us to keep up to date on all the action at the australian open on whatever device you listen to us on we are on apple Podcasts, spotify and all good podcasting platforms out there you can also listen to us on the downloadtennis.com app and if you like what you're hearing then make sure to leave us a rating and comment on apple podcasts or spotify 
You can follow us on social media and you can email the show. Our Facebook, Instagram and Twitter handle is PassingShotPod. The email address is PassingShotPod at gmail.com and check out our website, which is thepassingshot.co.uk. And we will be back, myself and Kim. I will be back, sorry. Yes, I will be back with Kim. I'm going to get the full debrief on her fun run uh, tomorrow evening uh, for the round four catch up. So we're going to be back Monday evening at Passing Shot HQ to dis- to discuss round four at Melbourne Park. So I hope you can join us for that. But in the meantime, it's goodbye from Lee. Goodbye. See you next time. And it's goodbye from me. We'll see you again soon.